Hey guys, welcome to the Touchdown Table Podcast. Uh, we are heading into Conference Championship Weekend, so we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about, and uh, we've got a lot on our slate, so Tyler, what are we starting with? Very similar to last week, we're going to start talking about the playoffs in the NFL, because that's what's going on right now. Yes, the playoffs. And then we'll get into um, some draft stuff and hit on the, some news even before that. So talking about playoffs? We are about to start talking about playoffs right We've here. We've been in the playoffs. Right now. Playoffs, or well, today we're going to start talking Conference about Conference championships. Again, I should say. We'll get there in a second. But let's review this divisional round from what we saw first. We had four games. All four of them were pretty good at most points of the game. Um, you guys can take it away. Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, let's just go in chronological order. It all started with the Packers and Rams game, right? So we'll talk about that one. Brandon is a uh, Packers fan, so I'm sure he's excited. His team yes. now two wins away from taking home another bowl. I'm sure that would be special for you, Brandon, if your team mm-hmm. to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, but the Packers played extremely well, got a hand into the Rams. They've been through some tough stuff uh, throughout this year. And in the playoffs, they had Cooper Cup out for this game. Jared Goff was injured. Aaron, Aaron Donald was in and out of the game. Uh, well, he was dealing with, like, I can't remember if it was, like, broken rib or, like, cartilage or something yeah. crazy like that. Yeah, so it was tough on them, but they really played well. Shout-out to Cam Akers, who had another good game. Uh, but the Packers' offense, and really defense, too, which is too much to handle for those Los Angeles Rams, they've really stepped it up on both sides of the ball. Aaron Rodgers is playing, in my opinion, the best football of his life, and that Packers' defense is playing phenomenal back to the days of when they won the Super Bowl before, so... Right now, I feel like this Packers team is built to win the Super Bowl this year. Just my opinion. Their defense has been really stepping up, and their offense has been good as they have been all year. What did I say about Damon Snacks Harrison a couple weeks ago, huh? <laughs> I mean, the run defense wasn't as bad. It was still bad, but it, it has, wasn't it as vastly, bad. Vastly, vastly improved. Oh, yeah. And you knew the Rams were going to try and run the ball with, you know, Goff not being 100%, and just that's a strength of their team in general. So I thought the Packers did do a good job of you know, getting the stops in the run game and not letting the Rams have methodical eight, ten-minute drives. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the key for them. And, and I thought the Rams were close, but at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is is Aaron Rodgers, and he, like Jordan said, is playing the best football of his life, and uh, that's why they're one win away from going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, um, hopefully we don't get screwed over again in the <laughs> NFC Championship. You but, screwed uh, yourself. This is, yeah. this is out. Recover the onside kicks this time, and you should be okay. <laughs> this is out, and you can well, get the onside hey, kicks. here's the thing. Wait, we're playing the Bucks next game, right? Yes. <laughs> the thing is, like, I wanted the Saints to win that game, and it was so painful to watch to see them lose because I know we could have blown them out like we did earlier yeah. in the season. But you know what Tampa did to you earlier in the season? Oh, that has got, to be on your oh, mind. Yeah. We got... Uh, we got pegged in places we didn't want to. Um, <laughs> we, were, um, we lost badly. Okay. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like 38 to 10 or something. It was bad. No, oh, it was real. Well, okay. To be honest, like, we started with Todd Bowles dialing down. up a five-man or six-man blitz every single play. Yeah. And their cover corners are pretty good, and they have, like, the number one or two run defense in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it, it was bound to – Aaron Rodgers is human, and we all know that. He's going to have a bad no. game. Eventually, yeah, and that was his one bad once game. in a million years, maybe. Yeah, exactly. But for this whole season, I mean, he played really well. Just in this game, he uh, had he was twenty three for thirty six. He had two hundred ninety six yards and two touchdowns, zero picks. And he ran one and two, right? Um, rushing, yes, he did. Yeah, he had that nice pump fake. He had four carries for negative three yards. Because <laughs> 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 there at one where he had to recover AJ Dillon's fumble. Yeah, That's what that was. But um. 
I don't know. I think this. I think the offense is good enough to definitely contend. I think they're def they're definitely a high powered offense as long as uh, MVS doesn't drop balls like he usually does. <laughs> yeah. But um, again, he he, he makes, has his highs. He makes lows. great plays and he makes bad plays. When he makes the good ones, it's so exciting. He's a speedster. He could burn you deep. But there's sometimes where he's wide open, he'll just drop the ball, throw back to Javon Wims. Oh, God. <laughs> in that same situation, there is player. Yeah, no, if you but... don't know. If you listen to this podcast, you know who he is. Though. Yeah, yeah, but I feel, like, I feel like with the emergence of A.J. Dillon, our second-round pick out of Boston yeah. College, I think that now in the backfield we definitely have a three-headed dragon in terms of Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon. Mm-hmm. Which one of those players is going to be gone next season because it doesn't make sense to keep all well, not three. Dylan. Well, not <laughs> yeah, Dylan. So it's probably Jamal Adams or Aaron Jones, depending on how much they want. But uh, regardless, I think there's still it's still a really good backfield. Aaron Jones, 14 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown. Jamal Adams, 12 carries Jamal for William, 65 yards. Jamal Adams. You said <laughs> yeah. Did I say Jamal Adams? Yes. Yeah. Oh. He's out of the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Who's Jamal Adams? Oh, I'm sorry. Who's <laughs> Jamal Adams? Um, <laughs> Jamal Williams, 12 for 65, and then A.J. Dillon, 6 for 27. So I think that they're a really high-powered offense, especially with Alan Lazard, Devontae Adams, and Robert Tanyan still doing their thing. I think that they can do – that they can not even, not only go past the NFC Championship, but I think they could even win the Super Bowl depending on who it is. But yeah. it's it's all up to the defense. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I think right now this looks like the year of the Packers. Um, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP, and right now I would be favoring the Packers to win the Super Bowl at this point. Over the Bucs? Well, I think they'll beat yeah. the Bucs, and then I'll, I think they'll beat whoever is in the Super Bowl. I yeah. do. I, mean, I, I think that's very – I mean, I'm not going to make anything official because, I, I mean, we, just, we still don't know the Super Bowl matchup, but – uh, things are going well for the Packers right now, and, you know, they're playing well, and, you know, the receivers, they might not be the biggest names, but when you have Aaron Rodgers throwing you, you just need to get slightly open, and he'll he'll put it in the window necessary like we've seen all year. That's why he's going to be the MVP, as Tyler said. And I, I, I do expect the Packers to win this game, but I do want to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they have uh, really surpassed my expectations for them. When I looked at them at the beginning of the year, I said, eh, overhyped, 10-6, and six, maybe win a playoff game. But we'll now they're that game in a second. I know, but now they're in the NFC Championship, so I just think that, you know, I did this in our video, I did this, and I'm doing this now. I'm going to give them credit for exceeding my expectations and uh, getting much further, well, not much further, but significantly further in the playoffs than I thought they would be, and... Hey, you know, they, like I said this in the video again, but I'm going to say it now. They're being the team we knew they could be. We knew they had the big names, but now it's really all coming together, and it's do it, and it's coming together just at the right time. Yeah, both these teams we mentioned have improved um, defensively against the run through this year. The Bucs have been one of the better ones. But the, um, the Ravens didn't have to worry about that problem. Um, they have a great run defense anyways, but the Bills only ran the ball like four times when they played the Ravens. Until, like, the end of the game when they were winning by so yeah. much. But that's our segue into the next one, the Bills and the Ravens on Saturday night. Obviously, the Bills coming up with the win. Lamar Jackson going out with a concussion. Unfortunately, could not come back in and play. But as soon as the Ravens looked like they had a chance to get the game back in the goal line, Lamar throws the interception, a pick six, and then it all just went down. Definitely wasn't telling him to slide or anything in the end zone. Definitely didn't say that. <laughs> why would he run it out? <laughs> <laughs> it worked. I don't know why he did, but it did work. Yeah. So. It really changed well. the momentum of the game for sure. That's almost a 14-point swing possibly. So yeah, in, in retrospect, the right decision. Yeah, and I think everyone around the NFL right now is really loving what the Bills have to show us. I think it's hard to not like Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs in this offense. And this defense has been stepping up a bit more too. 
the thing with this Bills team, as Tyler so nicely mentioned earlier, is they didn't run the ball very much. Zach Moss right now is actually uh, undergoing surgery, so he was not going to be there the rest of the playoffs. And so now it's basically just Devin Singletary in that backfield and Josh Allen's running ability when possible. So in this game next week against the Chiefs, uh, they can you know, put more guys deep because they're not worried about the run. So maybe they'll catch uh, young Josh Allen making mistakes, throwing into coverage that he should not be throwing into because they're dropping more guys. That could be a weakness of that game, but just we'll get to that game in a bit. But going back to this game, the Bills played really well. Uh, Stephon Diggs playing like he has been all year, and same with Josh Allen. And that defense really stepping up. Tredavious White uh, had a slow start to the season, or a slower start. He was actually Ryan's defensive player of the year pick at the beginning of the season. But he's picked it up a lot more recently, so that's good for the Bills. And it's really perfect timing. That defense got a lot more physical. When they were playing a Ravens team who is a ground-and-pound team that if you want to beat them, you have to want to hit more. You want to, you have to be the more physical team on the field. Their defense was that more physical team. That's why they dominated the Ravens' offense, and that's why they won that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they knew what their game plan was going to be, and they just didn't care. They know their identity, their passing team, and the Bills just stuck with it. And eventually, towards the end of the game, it got out of hand just because the mistakes made at the end. But really, that was a close game, and you know, you can make the jokes about Lamar in the playoffs again because he lost. But, I mean, he got hurt, and he, was, he wasn't playing great. He made some mistakes. I mean, he had that costly interception before he went out. But at this mm-hmm. game, didn't look very close. I think it was seventeen to three at the end yeah. of it. Yeah, it was. But I mean, the Ravens, they they hung in there and they had a good season. But Bills, even better season, moving on to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Go ahead. No, you're good. Oh, all right. I, I was just gonna. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have something to say about now. <laughs> I was just gonna. Uh, add on real quick about the Bills. You know, they really had a great game plan. And I say this almost every time we talk about a Ravens game. You know exactly what the Ravens are going to try to do. So if you are a defensive coordinator, any type of defensive coach, a defensive player, you know what they're going to try and do. You know what formations they're going to have, the plays. You know they're going to ground and pound. You know they're going to try and get Lamar out of the pocket. You know what they're going to do. So the essential question is... Can you stop it? Can you stop that one way they'll try and attack you? They don't have a great passing attack. They don't have really good at it. They're so good at it, but it's one thing. The Titans couldn't stop it. They don't have a very good pass rush. Lamar ran it all over them, and the Ravens won that game. The Bills knew how to stop, knew what it was, and knew how to stop it. So that's why Baltimore only kicked one field goal, or only made one field goal, because Justin Tucker had a very un-Justin Tucker-like game. But that's the issue when you're playing the Ravens. The Bills were up to the challenge. They knew how to stop what Baltimore was going to give them, and that's why they're still playing and Baltimore is not. And I I will say, I mean, even though in the end it really felt like a blowout, just with the energy and the stadium and the way the Bills were just kind of, you know, rounding and pounding at the end, I mean, they did hang in there. And obviously it stinks to see, you know, Lamar Jackson go out with the injury like that. You know, we wish him well in that process, especially, you know, hate to see that, you know, at the end of the year, obviously. And, um, yeah, I mean, and then you got Tyler Huntley come in. You know, he he almost hit that deep ball. You know, what yeah. what would have happened there? You know, you never know. But, I mean, the Ravens just ran out of gas. But the Bills, um, they really are a fun team to watch. And their fans have waited a long time uh, to have something like this in this city. And I'm so glad that they're able to see some of it in person now. And uh, we'll see what happens in the AFC Championship. But uh, Buffalo uh, really played well defensively last week. Yeah, and Ryan, you mentioned the fans of Buffalo. And you talked about how supportive they are for their, t- their team, how long they've waited for this. And, you know, they're always breaking tables. They're one of the best fan bases in all, maybe not just 
uh, NFL, but maybe even all the sports, just because how enthusiastic, if that's the way you want to put it, they are. There are other ways to put that. Some might say crazy. Wild. Uh, but they really love their team through thick and thin, and right now they're in the thick of it uh, in this playoffs. They've done really well. And when I was talking about the fans, uh, Ryan was talking about Lamar Jackson and his concussion. Well, the Bills Mafia and all of them have started to contribute money to Lamar Jackson's, uh, one of his his favorite charities. I think it's a hospital, actually. And Wasn't so it, I thought it was like backpacks for something. Know. Uh, maybe maybe there's charity. Yeah, it's a charity. So uh, to show love and support for Lamar, who they just beat, they uh, are trying to help him out and are donating a heck of a lot of money. Like it's not just a little bit of money. There is like a lot of money being poured into this oh, foundation, no, and yeah. that's just what Bills fans do. They're so enthusiastic, they're so different, and that's why you know they're even though they're crazy, they're very likable. So yes, uh, just big shout out to all the Bills mafia out there. I think they did something similar for Andy Dalton. They did, yeah, they did. When he helped them get to the playoffs, so <laughs> not the first time we're seeing this. Um, we'll move on to the next game now. My question is, where was Trace McSorley? Yeah, I had hurt. the same question. Yeah. He got hurt in the game he came in before. Oh. Oh. I was the, glad the, Steelers got hurt. the Steelers one? No, I think it was an, one when they I think it was the Browns game, right? Because <coughs> that's why Lamar came back because McSorley oh. was hurt. Because RG three was out before then. He okay. got injured before then, and then McSorley yeah. got hurt, and Lamar had to come back out. Okay, yeah, that's probably right. I was just hoping <laughs> to see him, but we Bless got uh, the rookie Tyler Huntley instead, who, like I said, hung in there. Yeah. All right, now let's move on to the next one. This was an interesting one. The Browns and the Chiefs. Um, just because, well, I mean, what we saw towards the end of the game. The Browns like, sold. That's just all I got to say. It they, looks they like sold. the Chiefs were going to take this one away. In the first half, they were up by, I believe, 16. Yeah, it was 19 yeah. to 3 at half. And then uh, stuff started to happen. And uh, Mahomes got a concussion, and the Browns had a chance to get back in. The Browns' offense was doing very good. And the Chiefs couldn't get anything going, but... We got to the end of the game, and we realized anything is possible. Was Chad Henney yep. ran like 15 yards to get that first down on third. And, or, o- almost. almost yeah, Tony down. Romo was a little too confident. <laughs> yeah. was, That's just how he is, though. And then I know. He made us all laugh like a few seconds after. Yeah, they're not snapping He was the like, ball. he got the first down, yeah, Jim. Oh, he, he almost got oh, the Oh, Jim, he just said Kansas City to the AFC <laughs> Championship. He is, he is it's, it's fun watching it's, it a game when he's announcing. You know? before we get Here more, we go. <laughs> before we get more into the game, can we just talk about how that ended and the ballsy call by yeah. Andy Reid to throw a pass play on fourth and inches with, with your backup quarterback? Yeah. I mean, if that, does, if that doesn't work, that's one of the dumbest play calls of all time. Yeah. That shows the confidence and even his backup quarterback to make that yeah. play for Tyreek Hill to get open. I mean, once I saw he was in the shotgun, I figured, no way, they're snapping yeah, it. They snapped it, yeah. and then they were passing it out. I was like, what? And then it worked, and I was like, oh, like I was just in shock. Well, you called, it, you called it a ballsy play, but I think he looks at it as a smart play because we were just talking about Tony Romo. Just run the And ball. if you've watched Tony Romo, he's yeah, predicted so much. Him. That's what they told the Seahawks. Did they yeah. do it now? <laughs> but if you've listened to Tony Romo before, he's able to pr- predict a lot of plays before they happen. He said they're not going to snap the ball. They're just going to wait. But no one was expecting him to snap that ball. I'm sure the defense was, you know, somewhat ready, yeah. but they were not expecting. They're him just to snap thinking, don't jump with Chad Henney. Exactly, don't jump with Chad Henney in a shotgun. No one was expecting them to snap it. And you know what? They caught everyone off guard. I don't think it's a ballsy move. I think it was a very smart 
and a, a, a very good move from Andy Reid. That's Reed. smart, but it's also very bold. Yeah, it's just, they, they play with confidence and they coach with confidence. Exactly. That's that's confidence what they've been doing all year, and especially in that, that one game against Tampa at the end there, they were still throwing the ball around. Yeah, absolutely. And that's their team. That's, that's how they play. That's how yeah. they are so dominant right now. And uh, in this game, big shout-out to the Browns. I'll get to them in a second. But I just wanted to say, when Patrick Mahomes went down, things kind of changed a bit in the game. But I still firmly believe that the Chiefs were going to win that game because we all know what Mahomes can do. He's one of the guys uh, in the front runner for the MVP, although, as we said earlier, we all think Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to win that award. Uh, but he's, he's one of the best players in our game right now. But also this Chiefs offense is one of the best offenses in the league right now, and it's not just because of Mr. Patrick Mahomes. It's because of Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who not, was not playing in this game. Darrell Williams was playing in this game. He had a phenomenal game. The offensive line is really good. That is why they are uh, one of the best offenses in the league. If Mahomes is not able to play this week, I still firmly believe that they can uh, win their next game because of the weapons that they have, because Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and all these weapons, hopefully Clyde Edwards-Alaire will be back. They could all get open. They could all make plays, and Chad Henney can do just enough to squeak out a win. So I just wanted to say that about this offense. But I feel like we need to give uh, a Browns tribute because I, was, I for one, was someone that was not crazy high on them. Uh, and, Ryan, you were the opposite. You liked them throughout the whole yep. thing. Towards the end of the season, I started to realize, okay, this team is legit. So, Ryan, uh, you've been a hype-upper of the Browns for really this whole season. So just what, what are your final words about this 2020 uh, Browns team? Well, you're exactly right. I was high on them from the from the beginning of the year, and uh, it's not the same old Browns. And I think that's that's the message the that's, that's the gone around. And, and that's not true, Browns. though. And they learned that the hard way. I think that the Cleveland Browns uh, they found their identity. I think Kevin Stefanski. Uh, I didn't even know who he was until he became, he became a head coach, but uh, he's done. Well, he was in your division, so that makes a little more sense. But uh, he's done a really good job with that team. Baker Mayfield has, you know, kind of broken the Baker cycle. He played a lot better down the stretch, um, especially, you know, obviously in the playoff game against Pittsburgh. And uh, they found their identity with the run game. You know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the offensive line improved tremendously. Getting Jack Conklin in free agency and Jedrick Wills in the draft went a long way for them as long as guys on the inside like Wyatt Teller, J.C. Treader playing well as well. Joel Batonio when he was in there, they played well. I think I named their whole offensive line at least at one point. Uh, so, I think you almost got everyone. Yeah, I mean, they might have switched. They, you guys might have got, got hurt. They got so many under the radar They, they do. Too. You know, like Ken, Kendall that, Lamb, too. Yeah, names you don't really hear, but then, yeah. you, then, you're like, then you look at their stats and, like, how haven't I heard of this guy? You know? Yeah, um, and, and, and uh, you, you kind of mentioned that. That kind of reminds me of some of their receivers, too, like Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the rookie, guys you wouldn't expect to maybe have the impact that they did, but, you know, they found a way to incorporate them into the into the scheme, and, and they did a great job, uh, I, I think, exceeding expectations that, um, that I had for players like them, and I think that many people around the league had for players like them. So Cleveland, they found their identity. I think they've got a great culture going uh, there in Cleveland with Stefanski, with Baker. I've always stayed true. I've been a very uh, big fan of Baker Mayfield. I've always been high on him, you know, even through – I always felt that – you know, when he did something bad, it would get a lot more media coverage than when he do something good. But I think really not. Everyone's finally realizing that the Browns have found their identity with that run game. Baker's being who we knew he could be. Stefanski is the guy there. And that defense can make plays when you when you need to make plays too. And kind of like we said with the Bills, you know, Cleveland, you've waited a long time for a playoff appearance and a playoff win. And I know you're disappointed about the Kansas City game, but uh, 
you still have a lot to be proud of, and I think the future is uh, very bright in Cleveland. So those are my words on the 2020 Browns. I'll make one last statement about the Browns, too, while we're just doing it. First off, with the Chiefs, I think everyone expected the Chiefs to make it to the AFC Championship. So congrats on um, ex- uh, exceeding, not yet, I mean, meeting, meeting, meeting your expectations. Yeah, we all had them there. Yeah, we all, all three of us that did a touchdown table YouTube channel at least did. I'm not sure what Brandon thought at the beginning of the season. But with the Browns, um, I do want to mention that they had a great year, obviously. But um, as a Bears fan, I'm not trying to like put the Browns down here. But as a Bears fan, I get a bit concerned. Just because, you know, Ryan, you were talking about, this kind of triggered my thought here. Because you were talking about how Kevin Stefanski is the future and this team is young and it's bright. Well, that was the Bears after 2018. And then things kind of went downhill. I was down high on Stefanski at the beginning of the year. But he's done great things in this season. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to yeah. just say, like, history doesn't always repeat itself, but from what I've seen, I don't want to be too confident that we'll see, like, the Browns um, almost beat the Chiefs again in a divisional round. But I think this, this team has a bright future, and I'm uh, proud to see them get to the playoffs again and for their fan base and all of that. So let's move on to the last game now um, from the divisional round, and that was the Battle of the Olds. we got another <sighs> Battle of the Olds coming up. The um, History Channel. <laughs> oh. yeah. But it's um, Tom Brady and Drew Brees playing up, playing against each other. You know the battle between them, even though they're never on the field at the same time until the end of the game. But uh, it was a good game. It was until really the end when, kind of like that Bills game. You know it was, it was close and it was hard fought. But Brees unfortunately made too many mistakes in what could be his last game. So let's talk about the game and then we will talk about Brees. Because that is something that needs to be mentioned. Yeah, and I heard that uh, actually an asteroid hit the Superdome after this game and destroyed the dinosaurs uh, in this game. <laughs> talking about Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Just oh, thought that was a funny joke. I was uh, so confused. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, Very good one. Uh-huh. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here for the next, I don't know, 40 minutes. We'll see about that. Um, but are we this 20 was... minutes into the podcast? Yes, we are. Oh, cool. Uh, actually, about 22 uh, just when I, about when I said that. But uh, anyways, this game was a very good game as we expected it to be. Tyler, you mentioned it. Drew Brees made too many mistakes in this game. Really, the Saints offense made too many uh, uncharacteristic mistakes and mistakes you can't make if you expect to win not only a playoff game, but any game in general. Drew Brees had three really bad throws. Jared Cook fumbled a ball that should not have been fumbled. And all a, a lot of the Buccaneers' points were off for those turnovers. They really could not put together a very long drive that went all the way into the end zone, but they were given really good field position off of some turnovers by their defense. Shout out to that defense. They stepped it up in that game, although they were, again, some bad plays by the Saints that were kind of just uh, giveaways. Uh, But nonetheless, they take what they can get. And um, so congratulations to the Buccaneers on winning this game. Saints offense just, we're, we're not the explosive team that we are expecting to see, hoping to see. I think that this game showed that Drew Brees is really coming to an end of his career. He's not the player he once was, although he's still a, obviously a decent quarterback, but it was not his game. Michael Thomas, zero catches in this game. Elvin Kamara got going at some times, but he was not going uh, completely the whole way. And the Saints offense kind of flopped when they were meet- needed most. Uh, Buccaneers capitalized on some turnovers and won the game at the end of the day. So Tom Brady... Uh, leaves to go to an NFC championship. Who would have thought we'd be saying that uh, just two or three years ago with Tom Brady, who was with the Patriots in the AFC for like a long 20 years. So 
interesting to see Tom Brady now in the NFC Championship game. Yep. We'll talk about the NFC Championship game in a second, too. You're um, forgetting Jameis Winston threw a touchdown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. We'll one for one for 56 yards. But, but let's just talk about that. They're bringing him back next year because they think yeah. that, that Breeze is going to go. They're re-signing him. Like, yeah. yeah. But Would they, they bring in Jameis Winston to throw the ball deep. Yeah, honestly. Like, Maybe Taysom that's just Hill a, was injured. Yeah, Taysom Hill was injured. He's so, their deep ball specialist. I don't know. Maybe that was a play designed from the beginning of the season. That's our play. It's, it is the Bears' play, so they probably play. just put it in there this week. I mean, they it works for them, so it don't did, they so. get to... <laughs> hey, if, I mean, at first you don't succeed, let the other team that played against you try, try again. I mean, that's, that's, Philly, what, you know that's what the definition of the Philly special. That's not, <laughs> I mean, not even close. I well, guess, but... It's a lot trickery, deeper of Philly special. Well, yeah, but same say. concept, though. Yeah. What and just and the quarterback wasn't going to catch the ball, but... It's, well, it's if you're similar. talking about Tom Brady... The, the misdirection I, is... is yeah. yeah, that is similar to the Philly special. Yeah. Uh, but, again... Okay, on, continuing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Bucks. they won this game, so uh, anyone want to talk about them and what they did, how they won this game, what their future is going to look like? A lot of it was defensively. And, you know, going into the season, everyone was thinking, wow, look at this offense, all the stacked weapons that offense, they have offense, here. Offense, offense. It's all offense, offense, offense. That's right. Didn't and offensively, like they played well. But defensively, they were set up. Devin White with the interception. Antoine Winfield, Winfield with the forced fumble. Was it Carlton Davis who got that interception? Yeah. He, I mean, he, he locked down Michael Thomas. I mean, do you hold a guy like him to zero it was catches? De- Devin White, Sean Bunting, Mike Edwards, all those guys. Got well, Carlton those. Davis was the one matched up with Michael Thomas, was it? Or was it Murphy Bunning? I don't know. It was, it was either one of, it was one of the two, but yeah. I think it was... Because uh, who tweeted the uh, slant boy? I don't know. I'm going to find that out right now. But the bottom line is the name of the game, I think, in the story of the game... It was a defensive It was game. a defensive game. The turnover battle. Just the, the, when the Saints looked like they had something going and they were going to claw back in, just, you know, whether it was the forced fumble by Winfield yeah. or an interception or just putting pressure on Breeze... That Bucks defense, I mean, they've always had the big names and they've had their meltdowns, but it's really all coming together for them, and it's coming together just in time. And I kind of said this in the beginning, so I'll let someone else go, but, I mean, the turnovers were the name of the game, and the Saints offense just wasn't quite what they once were. Yeah, Ryan, you mentioned how this Bucks team looks different than they were uh, starting the season, and I think I pinpointed why they look different, and I think they might have said it at the end of the broadcast too, but I would still have this opinion either way, and that's... First, I'm going to name one person, but I'll go in general. Leonard Fournette really stepped up in that playoff game, whether it was on the ground or through the air. And when Ronald Jones' number was called, too, he did some great things. But this uh, this Bucks offense, who seemed like they're going to be kind of the air raid offense that we were expecting to see with Kyler Murray and uh, Cliff Kingsbury when, when he came in, that's what we thought we were going to see from the Bucks because of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, of course, Tom Brady. That's what we saw, thought we were going to see. But in New England, they always established a run game. With No matter who was there, whether it was James White, whether it, they went through a whole crew of running backs in New England. And throughout Tom Brady's time, you, know, you heard all the memes about checkdowns and stuff and how they kind of just run the ball. But that's how Tom Brady teams work. You need to establish the run. They really did well. And then Leonard Fournette, just besides in the run game, really did a lot uh, in the air game as well. Tom Brady stepped up his game. And... Tom Brady's play is so different when you could establish a run game. So for the Buccaneers in this game against the Packers, which we'll get to, uh, this is my key for that game, is they need to establish the run again. Uh, let Leonard Fournette get his carries. Let him get going. Let uh, Ronald Jones be fresh and come in there and be a pounder as well. Establish the run, and you are going to continue to win the games, Buccaneers. 
All right, uh, we get so. it, Jordan. We, our, run, our run defense sucks. We get it. <laughs> Establish the run. That's not even what I was pointing at, because your run defense, I will admit, has gotten better, but uh, that is maybe one of the weaker run defenses left in the playoffs. Oh, but, yeah. um, so that's how they're going to win that game, and just shout out to Leonard Fournette and that whole uh, Russian crew and offensive line in Tampa Bay. Well, yeah, to be honest, but the mm, the offense was kind of stagnant this game because Brady didn't have a great game. He only had 18 for 33, 199 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Cameron Brate had... Uh, Four for went four for fifty, no touchdowns. Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette went five for forty-four in terms of receiving for one touchdown. Chris Godwin had four catches. Scotty Miller had one. Tyler Johnson had one. Rob Gronkowski had one. That was one. a great catch by Tyler Johnson, by the way. Yeah, it really, it really was though. You know the catch radius. You know, kind of yeah. thrown like out in front. Yeah, they yeah, have he, so much depth. He's not letting position. any opportunities drift yeah. away from no. him. No, it's he, just like probably I, more to come in the future. Oh, mm-hmm. it's just like with Tom Brady. I feel it's like gonna happen. With Tom Brady, I feel like his mobility Slacks, is definitely one of the reasons why some why he can't really like or why the offense kind of is at a standstill. Because you guys were talking about it earlier, they couldn't really get a drive going uh, on their own, and they kind of relied on their defense. And I feel like some of that is uh, on Tom Brady because he is not the most athletic and mobile quarterback. But um, what are you talking about? <laughs> Um, Have you seen his 40-yard dash, Brandon? Wasn't it like six seconds? <laughs> I don't know how long it was. But it was in that yeah, lineman the... area. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say that. Um, but I don't I don't my 40-yard dash is in that lineman area. Yeah. Too, so it should Fastest be I've run, I think it's like a 5-1. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I just have long legs. Long but whatever. Um, but I think it's a problem when your supposed number one wide receiver, Mike Evans, only gets one reception for Three yards. Well, they, know, they have so much depth, though. Like, they yeah. can spread it around with oh, yeah, but also Godwin like, and A.B. and Tyler Johnson and Gronk. Like, oh, yeah, but all those guys only have one or two catches. Well. That's the thing. I mean, I, then they once they got up late, they were able to run the ball a lot more, too. So, I think that played a part of it. But you have a point. Yeah. So, I, like like we said before, it was a defensive game. But I feel like, t- I feel like with Tom Brady and the offense, it's just, I don't know. I feel like they need to, the receivers need to get open. And they, the offensive line just needs to hold. Because, uh, Tom Brady cannot do everything by himself. Like he tried to carry New England to the pa- the, New- the New England uh, to the playoffs, not to the Patriots, to the playoffs, like for the last two or three years, and they got eliminated by the was it the Titans? Yep. So Titans Patriots. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that some of it rests on Tom Brady's yes. shoulders, but um, the running backs did well. Uh, Leonard Fournette, seventeen for sixty-three. Ronald Jones, thirteen for sixty-two. And Tom Brady had a rushing touchdown. Yes. So I mean that was good. Yeah, that was that was a good touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, but I just feel like their offense needs to get a little bit more consistent and a little bit better with the uh, the passing, and I think that they're going to be borderline unstoppable. Yeah. All right, let's talk about that next game for the Buccaneers. We didn't right? even talk I... about the Saints. Oh, oh yeah, we got to talk about. Oh, we got to talk Drew. about Drew. Brees. We got to talk yeah. about Drew. We did. We covered the Saints a decent amount, but we had to talk about Drew Brees. Yeah. Um, I think we could all admit. That was his last game in the NFL, right? Yeah. I can't can't 100% guarantee that to you, but I would say with about 92% certainty. 92.5% certainty. But if you're Drew Brees and and you're at home just thinking about, like, is that really the way that I wanted to go out from three It's definitely not the way you wanted to go out. He probably thought that the last, like, four years, but... (laughs) It's definitely not the way you wanted to go out, but it gets to a point where he probably knows at this point that this was... One of his uh, worst years in, in current history because he's been decent throughout his older ages, and this was definitely a down year for him. I think he knows if he came back next year, it would look similar, if not worse, uh, than this year. Uh, so it is going to be a sour taste in Drew Brees' mouth if the, 
this is the last, uh, that was the last time he steps on the field. But he had a fantastic career, and that word cannot be uh, overstated. I mean, it was legendary is really what it was. He has put his name in the record books, uh, what he did for not only the Saints, but this whole league uh, for all fans, whether if you're a Saints fan or not. I'm not a Saints fan, but I've loved Drew Brees. He's been an inspiration to me, truly. Uh, he seems like a great dude. You uh, say so, a snap count almost every time I'm over. Yeah. Witty, witty. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's also an inspiration. Um, but just the effect he's had on the, on the league throughout the time he's been here. He won Man of the Year. Just a phenomenal quarterback, a phenomenal dude, a huge presence, and somebody that no doubtably is going to be a Hall of Famer and no doubtably is ever going to be forgotten about. Yeah, and I mean, as a sports fan and as a huge football fan and a Drew Brees fan, I'm not going to lie to you. There was a tear rolling down my eye as I saw him t- turn back that one last time. I was going, oh, no. this is yeah. You know, because Drew Brees, especially for us, we're all teenagers. He's been our childhood. And, you know, I mean, not, like, not just solely him, but he's been a big part yeah. of our childhood and our fandom of football. And he's done so much for this league, as Jordan mentioned. So, you know, just to see that one last look, it was just... Yeah, it, it, taking it, one I last mean, look. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a bit of a softie in general when it comes to that sort of stuff, but, I mean, just specifically that. And it sucks that, you know, he had to end his um, career, you know, going on the field one last time and not, not playing very well and, you know, maybe not knowing if it was going to be his last game or not until the I end. Knew. But, I mean, that's kind of the stuff that happens. Um, you know, that's the way things can go, and he's just got to reflect on what he's done. And for him specifically, he's had a great career. I mean, he's had good moments and bad moments, so there's so much to reflect on, and he'll be someone that has never forgotten. Yeah, but if you're him, do you retire? Yeah. Do you go on okay. one last ride like the sheriff? Yeah. No, I don't think I'd go you last dance. <laughs> you don't think you do? No, I think, I think he's done. I think we all... Well, he's got, he's got a lot of things about right now. And we so. talked about the, the sour taste that might be uh, in Drew Brees' mouth right now, but I think something that could have got that taste out is him and his kids uh, went out on the field after with Tom Brady and played some football. They showed that love that they've they've uh, kind of built over the year with, with Tom Brady and Drew Brees. They show that respect. Uh, they know how good each other are. They've been competing with each other for such a long time. So I think that was an amazing sports moment just to see Tom Brady out there with Drew Brees and his, his family. Uh, just getting kind of one last shot at, at being on an NFL football team. They all got that one last experience together. I think that's you know, you might say uh, three three interceptions is not the way to go. Uh, but after that game, being out in the field with his kids and Tom Brady, one of the most legendary players, uh, as well as Drew Brees, to ever play this game, uh, many consider him the GOAT. I think that is the way to go, uh, just what they did after that game. I think that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of those, you know, like things that we saw after the game, it almost felt like something out of a movie, just the scene of him looking back and just – you know, mm-hmm. the way people were talking about him, you know, like, like, like we've said, you know, we all love him. We all, you know, had fun watching him throughout, you know, our, our years of being NFL fans and we wish him the best in his future. And again, I mean, Jordan, I've never yeah. watched an NFL or remember watching an NFL that didn't have Drew Brees in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. honestly, you know, same here. And, you know, Jordan and I picked him to win the Super Bowl, uh, the Saints, that is, before the year that didn't happen. And obviously, um, you know, I think people had a pretty good idea that Drew Brees uh, was probably going to retire before the season ended. I mean, I could be mistaken, but I kind of expected that to happen. And it does stink that it ended poorly, but he has a lot of career achievements, a lot of records, and, of course, that Super Bowl title that he could reflect on. All right, let's um, 
Move I feel like that. we covered the championship games a lot. Yeah, but. we have. Well, let's just briefly talk about... I'll just say the storylines yeah. of the game, really. And then we'll move on. Because we made a video to talk about it on our channel, too. Um, the conference championship predictions. So, I mean, obviously... Yeah, we went into a lot of detail on that. Yeah, <laughs> we did. <laughs> Very much detail. Okay. Too much. So, we got Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady going up against each other, even though they're never on the field at the same time. That's just always the, you know, the way that goes against... But, I mean, both these players playing in the same game... In my opinion, the two greatest quarterbacks of all time um, going up against each other in the NFC Championship game. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's um really just a dream. You know, both narratives of these games, you got the oldies and the youngies yep. um, playing. Aaron Rodgers and the youngsters. Aaron Rodgers yeah. in his interview on the Pat McAfee show, he said something, you know, he was talking about the media. He said something that they didn't appropriate about that I'm not going to say on here, but it was funny. Um, I'll tell you guys after the podcast what, it, what he said. <laughs> after the podcast, you will know. Um, but it was just basically him staying, like, saying these are really good storylines. And then the Browns and the Chiefs already played each other. And then that caused the Bills and the Chiefs to be going against each other. You got Mahomes and Josh Allen, you know, the young guys again. And, you know, we'll see. It's going to be old versus young in the Super Bowl no matter what hey, happens. Chase Young? Oh, no, he's gone already. Chase Young. <laughs> he wanted Tom Brady, and then Tom yeah. Brady got him. So, that doesn't have to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Why would I just randomly say that? I don't I'm know. not really sure. But, hey, Jordan said it. Okay, so that's really all we need to talk about with that. If you want to hear more about the conference championship games, our opinions on it, go check out our video. It's Even um, if you don't want to ch- learn about the conference championship just, games, just check it out our channel anyways because go see our picks. it's good stuff. If you're a drafty, if you oh, like the yeah. NFL draft, uh, we will soon be having some stuff coming up for the NFL draft. So stay tuned for that stuff. We're excited for it. Let's get to our next topic here. All right. Um, well, well, how much time do we have in the podcast, just so I know? Yeah. I might have We're at 3734. Oh, wow. Oh, the minute. We took a long time on this. Okay. Let's talk about some coaches here. Um, we got some new coaching hires as this week has gone on since last time. Uh, Robert Sala signing with the Jets. Um Brandon Staley, what's what is it? Yeah, Brandon Staley with the what? Jordan just did something. Mm-hmm. Huh? I don't know. What's Jordan his just, name? No, Brandon Staley with the Chargers. Oh God, Jordan. Um, Arthur Smith with the Falcons. Dan Campbell most likely will be signing with the Lions. And then, um, as you've probably heard about, we got the former Ohio State coach going to Jacksonville. So that's probably Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. That's yeah. right. I mean, it's probably one of the most headlining ones. Yeah, interesting. To see that. Out of the blue. So, kind of. it's cool. That doesn't mean it's, I don't think it's a bad hire. I just, I mean, just don't know much about him. Yeah, as a so coach. let's, we'll go through those names slowly or pretty quickly here because we're running out of time. But <laughs> so we'll go take, through take one by one here. So let's start with Salah. I'm just doing it in order as I wrote it down. Salah to the Jets. Um, I think it was a good hire for oh, them. Of course. Honestly, Anything's a good hire for them at this yeah, point. Yeah, I feel like Salah would have well, been a good fit anywhere. Not anything. They, no, well, not Gates. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Patricia. they got to find themselves a good offensive coordinator now, and I think... Yeah. Isn't um, he taking... He's taking Mike LaFleur with him from San Francisco. Yeah. Was he their offensive coordinator? Maybe. Well, okay, I'll look it up, because I know for a fact he's probably yeah, going to take Mike LaFleur with and him. Is, um, what's his face? The defensive coordinator. What's his name again? That is Robert Salah. No, the defensive coordinator for the Jets. Before. Oh, Robert Greg Williams. Greg Robert, Williams. Yeah. yeah. You think is he gonna? You think you think he's gonna stay after? Him he's already long? gone. Oh, here he goes. He's fired, been gone. Yeah, they fired him. Yeah. Um, yeah, he they they did get Mike Lafleur to be their yeah, offensive coordinator. After he blitzed on a hail mary, he got fired. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I think Salah's a good one for them. This is a team that needs to build a culture, and Salah's a culture builder Absolutely. with the energy that he's got. Uh, yeah, I was, I was a bit shocked to see, because he's more of a defensive-minded guy. I thought they'd go offense, because that's what they did before with Gase and with work. what could be uh, a possible draft pick of a quarterback here or just uh, kind of going through Sam Darnold again and trying to teach him again. I thought they might go offense, but I don't hate Robert uh, Sala. As you said, he is a guy who is really going to be a culture builder. Uh, he knows how to bring fire to a team. And right now, uh, this this Jets team is not a few players away. Uh, they still have some time to go, but they, they need some fire. And if they have that extra fire, then uh, the process could go a lot faster than without that fire. So I think he'll do some good things there. I'm excited right. for him. Next one, yep. Brandon Staley to the Chargers. Yeah, Brandon Staley. Interesting one. Yeah, uh, he was, if you don't know, he was the Rams defensive coordinator. And Rams defense, one of the best defenses in the league this year. It so, was the best. Uh, it's an underrated hire, but I don't think it's bad whatsoever. Now, the Rams have a bunch of huge names on that defense, uh, so that's maybe a reason why they are so good. But guys like Leonard Floyd, who was with the Bears for a long time, uh, he, he didn't have as much success. And then one year in that Los Angeles Rams system with uh, well, yeah, Staley. of course Aaron Rodgers snapped his ankles last week. <laughs> That's true, he did. Uh, but one year, uh, he jumped very high. System. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was very high in the air on that, which is impressive. But he looked in, like he got. Well, yeah, the dude's like six foot eight, six foot nine. He could play in the NBA if he wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I went to small story. He's a specimen. I went to Bears. My dad made me go to Bears training camp a long time ago. I saw Leonard Floyd, and I'm six foot four, and I felt short. But that man is huge. Yep. Yeah, he's a big guy. Probably said about a lot of NFL players. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Anyways, uh, back to what I was talking about. One year in that that system, he looked like a completely different player. He actually got an incentive for the amount of sacks that he got. So that was good for him, even though as a Bears fan, it's a little bit tough to see him having success somewhere else. Uh, that just goes to show that he can groom players. And uh, hopefully for his next team, they're going to try to – uh, he's gonna try to groom more players there. So I really thought the Chargers should have gone offense um, yeah. for their coach, but you know I think he's a well-fit candidate, and we'll see what happens. I just saw. I don't think it's yeah. necessary though, because Justin Herbert played so yeah. good last year. Like it's not You're like right, you need to I mean, groom him. He's already yeah. good. And that defense is the thing that I think really needs to step up. They had a lot of injuries, and um, I think it could be really good for the team because I don't see Justin Herbert taking a step down. No, I mean, so no one saw Baker meeting. taking the step down after his rookie year too. Well, he, yeah. he didn't have a, nearly as good as a rookie and then year he, as Justin yeah, Herbert. Yeah, but then did. Baker got that new head coach and everything kind of just fell apart. An yeah. offensive head coach. Yeah, but not a good one. Yeah, I, I, but what the what the Chargers are saying, I think, is they're saying, you know, we think Herbert's set. We think he's going to yeah. continue to grow. We think the offense is set. It's just, like it's just, yeah, he does. But it's just the defense. You know, win those close games. You know, learn how to finish. You know, uh, things like that. And I think that's what Brandon Staley will bring to that team in the locker room for sure. He's going to make that clear because honestly, they were so close. And you know, honestly, I know this is way too early, but. I think they could very well be a playoff team next year. Absolutely, the Los Angeles Chargers. They're so, a team that I'm already like thinking, you know, dark horse candidate for next year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, you got Kansas City in that division, but wild card, definitely a legitimate possibility. A little too early to be talking about that. But uh, I expected Brian Dable to be their guy, but um, just because of the similarities between Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, but the Chargers went a different route. I don't think it's a bad one, and we'll see how it goes. All right, next one is Arthur Smith. We finally got an offensive one to talk about going yep. to the Falcons. 
I like this one. I mean, he's been able to do a lot with this offense. He, yeah. You know, form Tannenhill and you go rejuvenate him. You could say Tannenhill did it at himself just by his play. But, you know, he's definitely a part of it. And he got this offense more involved. He's not afraid to run the ball. They got to get a good running back um, there. They got Gurley right now, but I would expect to see them draft someone. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I just think with the receivers they got there, he's a guy that can help in that area as well because he's formed A.J. Brown. I say for him, but, like, they, these guys were already developed. He's helped them. He's developed them. And, you know, he's got a couple other receivers there, too, that are underrated. So, um, a guy that I, I think was a pretty good hire. I just didn't know too much about him until really the end of the season. But pretty good. Anything yeah. else? Um, well, I'll just step in. You mentioned some guys, but also Ryan Tannehill was one you can mention too because uh, he's made he's made that offense kind of look uh, different than it was with Marcus Mariota. And then as soon as, right, as Ryan Tannehill stepped in there, uh, they really played well. They knew He knew what his offense had to do. He knew the strength of his offense. He knew that Derrick Henry was someone that was going to have to lead that team. And he also knew and groomed uh, Ryan Tannehill in that passing offense into an offense that could be successful when it was needed. So... I don't hate the hire. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be my first choice to go to, but um, you know now the Falcons have an offensive head coach now instead of Dan Quinn, who, who they've had for years, who is a defensive-minded head coach. So we'll see how that uh, switch affects their team. Okay, next one is Dan Campbell um, unofficially being hired to the Lions. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think any of us knew who Dan Campbell was. Nope. Um, before I'll, this, I'll tell you who he is. I, I yeah. know who he is. I got it here as well. He's the assistant head coach. Or he was the assistant head coach for the, the, tight the Saints and the tight ends coach. And looking at his face, you've seen his face before. He's been uh, on sidelines and stuff. They'll sometimes show him. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm like not gonna. I'm like not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna BS you and, and tell you that I know so much about this guy that he yeah. really deserved to be hired. I'm sure there was a grave reason why he was hired. Uh, looks like a smart dude just from the pictures I'm looking at him. He looks like he's a football-minded guy. He looks kind of like Bill Cowher. He got, yeah, he does look like Bill Cowher. Um, so, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't tell you a heck of a lot about this guy, but uh, the Lions trusted him, and uh, we'll see how that goes for them. So I'm assuming he's an offensive-minded guy because he was a tight ends coach and assistant coach to a team that had a good offense as well as a good defense in the Saints. Uh, so we'll see how that goes with the Lions. They need some sort of switch. Hopefully that spark will be Dan Campbell. Yeah, I expected them to go with – I expected Robert Sala to end up in Detroit. So that I. didn't happen. But uh, the Lions went a different route. And, you know, like you said, we don't know much about them. But, again, you know, time will tell with these things. Yeah. Um, I think there's a reason why he was the assistant head coach as well as the tight end coach. He's probably – that means he's a good leader, you know, just finding those context clues. And all of that. So we'll just see how this one goes. We said already, we're not going to lie to you and pretend we know all about this guy when we don't. Um, Urban Meyer is the next one with the Jaguars. This is my favorite one. That's an instant good. Yeah. It's unexpected, but very interesting. Well, we knew towards like the end of the season that he was looking for an NFL job. And really, the Jaguars were the one that he was looking at the most. Uh, we thought that he was going to go there. He interviewed with some other teams, but looked like he was putting together a bit they of a squad. They bribed him with a yacht. <laughs> what? They bribed him with a yacht. I didn't know that. What do you mean? Uh, they had a meeting on a yacht. That's pretty cool. Well, that's that's good. That sounds that's like good business the Cowboys right there. Yeah. Um, that is good business. But I really <laughs> like this. Ryan mentioned it earlier, I think, or someone mentioned it earlier. Urban Meyer, uh, former head coach at Ohio State before Ryan Day stepped in. I think this is Day's second yes. year. Um, so we just missed him in our age of watching college football. We really got into it two years ago. So we just missed Urban Meyer and his coaching. 
Uh, but he's still been involved with football. He's been on stuff with college football. Uh, I think it's college football game day. Is that what it's called? Or, oh, was, was he on Big Noon Kickoff? I don't know. There's yeah, a I, don't bu- there's, was, I don't know if he was on game day. He might have been on game day this first year after. Like, yeah, there's a lot of different yeah. shows. But yeah. he, he was uh, still around football, yeah. and specifically college football. But he's been around football for a long time. He knows the game in and out. And I'm excited for this move. It looked like... He's kind of been preparing for this. I think he had some sort of team assembled that he wanted to bring there. Um, So this is exciting because now Urban Meyer going to the Jags, and it looks like Trevor Lawrence is going to be going to the Jags. So a really different culture in Jacksonville. And if I'm a Jacksonville fan, uh, I'm excited. So That's probably a huge part of why he's going there. He gets to pick whatever quarterback he wants to. And, you know, being that huge college football guy that he's been for so long, he's got to be so excited to go into that organization and, Probably get some sort of power. I know the GM ultimately is the one that makes a decision. Mm-hmm. It should be Trevor Lawrence, but, um, you know, just to go get that guy that you've been watching for his college career. Um, so, now, that's the the uh, coaches that have been hired. The Eagles and the Texans still are awaiting their head coaches as we make this, which is on Tuesday, this podcast, which was released on Wednesday. Do we have any predictions for either of these two teams? I have one, and I know Ryan has one. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could start with yours, guys. You can go ahead. I'm All right. In, well, I rush. said this. I said this in our uh, video. We were talking about the Eagles um, firing their head coach, and then I brought it up saying, yeah, after Doug Peterson was gone, maybe Brian Dable will be the one to go there. Ryan said maybe he's going to be staying with Buffalo. I can honestly see why. He's yeah. got something great going there. But Josh Allen would love that. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I just I think. He knows that he's got to take advantage of this opportunity while he has it. And he'll go to one of these two teams, I hope. I want to see him as a head coach. Um, so I, I predicted him going to the Eagles. Ryan um, predicted something for his Texans. What is that? Uh, I think Eric Bieniemy will end up on the Texans if he wants to go there. That's a key because I, I believe, Jordan, you said that if you were Bieniemy, you'd rather stay in Kansas City. I and I honestly, I, I, I probably would too if I was him. Just with not only, it's not even, it's more about Houston than Kansas City, honestly, because he's already won a Super Bowl. Maybe he'll get a second one. Who knows? But it, it's just a mess in Houston right now. And, you know, you don't even know if the Deshaun Watson thing is salvageable. We'll get to that in a second. But I do think if Bianami wants to be there, he will be there. I think they'll get it figured out. But honestly, if he doesn't want to do it, if no one wants to do it, because that's honestly the thing that's going on with, you know, uh, the Texans' job you're hearing. No one wants to, to go there. And, and, I wouldn't want it. And, and honestly, like, it's, it's just so weird as a fan. Like, it's just, just to have, like, it makes sense that they don't want to go there, but it's just so incredibly sad that, you know, you're the laughing stock of the NFL because you can't run an organization properly or communicate with your players properly. So honestly, I would think Beanie is the front runner right now. That'd be my prediction. But if he doesn't want to go there, I mean, I don't know who will. And honestly, Houston, I mean, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll be the coach if no one wants to go there. Cal McNair, Nick Casario, if you're listening. But yeah, you want to come be my you know, offensive coordinator? We'll, okay. assemble, we'll assemble a staff. I mean, you know, we'll go win Super Bowls and what we, we, we won't lie to our players. You know, we're going we're gonna to create, you know, authenticity and, you know, transparency in our organization. So again, Texans management, if you're listening, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out once they get hired. You know? okay, I'll get them. Um... I'll actually I'll just take over Easterby's job. Oh, whatever the heck. Please, he does. please, please. <laughs> I don't know what he does. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. You know, all for it. You know, I honestly think we might be able to do better than the guys in power right now. So, uh, Texans ownership, if you're listening, um, I'll be happy. You know, fly you're me trash. down. Fly, fly it's me down. Game. Yeah, you're trash. Fly me down to Houston for an interview. I'll sign the contract. Actually, I think my parents would have to sign it too because I'm not 18. We'll figure that all out once we get going there. But Houston, I'm 
throwing my name in the mix for the head coaching job, and it would be an honor to coach my favorite team. And hey, you never know. You never know. We're gonna see an Ian Rappaport tomorrow. Yeah, sixteen-year-old junior from high, junior in high school, hired to be NFL head coach. Ryan Stojan. Yeah, let's do it. Honestly. I, I I I think that you know, hey, if no one Let's wants to, the campaign, if no one wants to go there, I'll do it. That's my message, and you know, we're gonna build a winning culture, all right? I mean, and and you know, these guys better than O'Brien was. Oh yeah, you would not trade Hopkins. I would not trade Hopkins, and if I would, it'd be for much much more than uh, the return was in that trade. All right, well, I think we just settled who the Texans head coach is going to be, so yeah. let's just add yeah. that to the the uh, solved <laughs> head coaching area. That was Ryan fun. will be going there. All right. Um, how much time do we got? How much time Should are we I email Ian Rappaport and Adam Schott? I think I have. I think I can find Cal McNair's email. Somebody posted it. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be real. How much time are we have to sign? 52. Okay. We will do one last topic here because we're almost to that hour mark. Let's talk about the combine being canceled, getting into some draft stuff. Personally, I'm just going to be honest here. I think that's ridiculous that it's canceled. And, um... I, I mean, we've seen a lot of cancellations this year because of COVID. We played an entire season of college football, I mean, with some cancellations there. And all all the NFL games have been played so far, at least. I mean, can't we just do a combine? Like, have these guys go down to quarantine if they want to and just do the drills. That's an important uh, part of the draft process and has been for years. I mean, some people think it's dumb. I like watching it. Um, yeah. I'll watch like, I think it's cool. all of it. And I, I don't know. I just don't get it. If these guys want to go down to quarantine and do this and prove themselves, some of these guys, this is their shot to prove themselves, and they're not going to get that chance. For what reason, I, I honestly don't know why they won't do it. I don't know. Yeah, and you said that perfectly, Tyler. I 100% agree with what you just said. This is the shot for so many people. For guys like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Devontae Smith, this combine does not matter. We know that they're going to be going high in the draft no matter what. But for other guys, this is their shot to prove themselves. DK Metcalf proved himself to be well, an absolute physical menace. They the, the, were the saying because the combine that he was doing bad because his, his cone jail, but everything else was yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why he dropped his end of the second, which yeah. makes no sense because the one drill. Yeah, that, that is pretty stupid. But uh, so many guys make their names for themselves. Uh, in this combine it's a very important thing for a lot of guys who might be going in the sixth or seventh round and if this is still their dream just like it's Trevor Lawrence's dream just like it's Justin Fields dream just like it's all these top players dream this is their shot to prove themselves they've had all season maybe they didn't do enough maybe for some reason people aren't looking at them enough this is a shot where everyone is forced to be looking at you specifically at certain times it's frustrating for those people that they don't have the opportunity to quarantine, as Tyler said, and go to this thing. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of sad because I feel like we all uh, enjoy watching the Combine. I don't think there's many people who will sit in front of their TV all day and just watch the Combine. No. Uh, but there are some fun things to look at, and it is fun uh, to see these guys prove themselves. Yeah. Unfortunately, they won't have that opportunity this year. Uh, due to the circumstances yeah. we are currently in. So yeah. upsetting, somewhat understandable, but also I mean, they could have done it. It's not really understandable because yeah. you just saw the NBA do their whole bubble thing for... And hockey. And yeah, hockey. absolutely. I mean, hockey's play- we're watching the hockey game right now as we do this. We're watching exactly. the Blackhawks play. NBA's going on. As I mentioned, all the NFL stuff is happening. Why can't this happen? I know COVID, but I mean... Well, yeah, but I'm talking and about- so much of it is non-contact. Like, why can't they run a 40? Yeah. Like, if it's like, you know, like... 
contact drills and throwing, then maybe I get there it. There were, like, no contact yeah, drills. Yeah, oh, we scored in that hockey game we're watching. <laughs> um, that was cool. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. Of course, you know, safety is important, and we got to try and keep players healthy. But I really think, you know, maybe maybe divide them up, maybe have it at multiple sites, don't have it all at Lucas Oil Stadium, or, you know, spread the days out more than they usually are. Uh you know, it's just, you know, I, I feel like sometimes people take the combine, you know, out of hand too much, whereas they overvalue it, which I think it is important, especially for players who opted out last year who are coming off of an injury just to show they're still in football shape, which I'm sure they are because when they opt out, they're practicing football. It's not like they're leaving the game. It's like they're opting out to prepare for the NFL. So if anything, they should be in better shape. But my point is, you know, it would have been nice to maybe see a modified version or at least an abbreviated version of the combine where we, we, we at least got to see these players uh, live in action at some point before uh, the draft on April 29th. Yeah, I, th- I think we're, we all just agree that it's dumb. And I don't know, maybe there is some sort of reasoning behind it and I, that I don't know. I don't think there really could be something to justify this after – We've seen all these, you know, we're not really in that age of cancellations right now. I think we can we can work around it in some way. Like Ryan said, maybe, you know, like don't have all the, like half the defensive position groups go at once. Have the linebackers go at one point, then the cornerbacks or something. Extend it, like, and then have people quarantine. If they don't want to quarantine, they don't have to go. I, I, I yeah, just, no pressure. I just, I don't understand it. I really don't. And it makes me angry. Not only because I want to watch the combine, but for these guys that want to prove themselves in this combine, they can't. Yeah. So that's that's where they're on this podcast with me being very furious and angry that this this combine is not happening. So thank you for listening well, to this podcast. Well, we can't we can't end on a bad note. Okay? We won't. They tune in to be happy to escape from their normal lives for an hour to to listen to four kids talk about football, a game that we all love. We can't leave them being happy. We have to leave them thinking about sunshine and rainbows. And although huh? it's winter in a lot of places right now, you might not see that sunshine. You might not see that rainbows. You could always put a smile on your face. A smile on your face and happiness goes a, a long way, everyone. So have a smile today. It's, five, smile o'clock. it's five o'clock somewhere, and that's what everyone always says. So. <laughs> that's another way to put it, Brandon. Uh, so we're not ending on negativity. We're ending on positivity. And hey, we've made it this far in the NFL season, so thank you. Uh, thank God for that. Uh, very, very awesome stuff. Yeah, hey, we got conference championship games coming up. I'm happy now. Yay. Rainbows and sunshine. Let's end the podcast. Smiles. <laughs> and smiles as well. We got smiles going around the podcast circle here. And happiness, too, as well. Yeah. All right. Enjoy. He forgot Enjoy. the combine already. <laughs> Just reminded me. <laughs> happiness! <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Make sure to give us a good want. rating. Um, especially after the ending we just had there. Um, also, you know, go check out our YouTube channel. Comment what you thought about our podcast or just on our YouTube channels in general. Just go give us a subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe to our podcast as well. We go thank give, you give us a like. Yes. Give us a follow. That's right. We thank you for listening. And with that, we will see you guys later. See ya.